Um, I come from that space of having been through uh, and and having learned under many of these meditation teachers and constantly playing in my mind, um, having always grown up either in a town or a city, whether it was in India or currently in the Middle East where I am. Um, I also had the same questions, but oh, meditation, oh, but what's the scientific proof? You know, but what's the point of all mm-hmm. of this? What is the result we're looking at? And then, uh, and then, and then it happened. You know, I I received my alignment, and then it it it's one of the how do I how do I say this? One of my core purpose is to make sure that everything that I explain is for everybody. It's not just for the already meditating, deeply connected to nature person but also that person who has yeah. never sat down and closed their eyes for a meditation, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it reminds me of um, when I say, I often want to make a content that a content piece that says, like, if I am an athlete, if I am an architect, mm-hmm. if I'm in this and in that, why should I meditate? Mm-hmm. And often my, the first thing that I always think about is because no matter what you do, you're human first. Absolutely. So it it's just like brushing everyone brushes their teeth i hope <laughs> and whatever right so it's it's almost like it becomes like it's part of us we have a body so there's certain elements of health and taking care of it that is as re- a requirement so meditation at some point to me becomes just like it's it's because i can it's not and it's it, it, it's, it's because it's, it's possible to do it i think it's also the fact that today i can tell you that it it should be our natural state of being. Mm-hmm. I began by sitting down as a young child in India, only during the evenings and early in the morning before going to, you know, rushing off to school. We were almost forced to go to the temple, quickly pray to the God, and then run to the bus station. You know, <laughs> it's like you go right. well, that... home home in on that place and then rush. And then in the evenings, we would sit and we would, you know, repeat these mantras over and over with no idea what the meaning is. And then from Mm -hmm. coming from that space, then growing up into a space where uh, religion is bad because politics, because propaganda, because all of these things. And then uh, loving it, hating it. It's it's, it's this love-hate relationship with meditation, isn't it? And then... Yeah, and then constantly into, seeking, yeah. Yeah, and then stepping into this beautiful, you know, um, sort of nature-loving psychedelic space where mm-hmm. the community, the family that is that is that um, that is that beautiful space created for people who are who want to connect to nature, to connect with them, and suddenly realize I could be. Uh, dancing on the dance floor with people screaming all around me and I could be in a meditative state to realize that gives you perspective of and it feels so good when you meditate yeah it makes me think like you were saying that it was such a it's in your culture it's like waking up in the morning and going to school or like whenever you did that Mm -hmm. meditating it's just in that culture and it makes me think that do you do kids take it for granted? I'm, I'm sure they do oh, because it's such a absolutely, absolutely. And, I, and I think yeah. I, I think that's across many cultures. I mean, I've I've been lucky enough to have a soul family that's you know from from around the world. So you grow up and your parents hand you the Bible, for example, and because mm-hmm. it's forced on you without ever explaining to you what it means, it 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 puts you in a space where you're like, but why aren't you explaining to me? You're not allowed to have questions about it. Now, um, so, so right. going back to, you know, that post that got us talking, right? Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. not really, I, I talked about how it's not the length of the meditation, but the depth of the meditation that matters, right? Um, and mm-hmm. it's not the uh, holy silent place on top of mountain that matters. You, you should be able to meditate in the middle of a busy fish market, you know? Mm-hmm. And this goes back to, again, when I was really young, um, we used to uh, have the temple was right next to my house. So um, sort of having the temple two houses away from you meant that you were very involved in the things that happened at the temple. So if there was a ritual happening, if there was a festival happening, if there was, you know, one day it is, uh, you know, a, a, a sort of a ritual for Lord Shiva and another day it is 
the day that uh, you don't have to study because you have to keep all your textbooks uh-huh. next to um uh, goddess saraswati because she's the goddess of creation and uh, sorry creativity and arts so that day <laughs> you just kept your books you know next to her idol because she would power those books up and then so everyone uh, all kids all kids that day, all kids you know <laughs> playing outside the temple temple grounds and our books are there why are they there we have no bloody clue right and then and then me personally my journey now is to bring everything that i aligned with and downloaded about sacred geometry to the world really guess so india is one of those places where in south of india where i'm from um there's a sacred geometry mandala flower beds are created once a year yes and this mm. is close to the harvest season and you know it's it's all of these beautiful beautiful uh beautiful mandalas created with flowers now we get up we get ready we wear new clothes we you know shower bathe everybody's there putting these things together but you ask the question why are we doing this and nobody knows the answer it's just been passed it's down it's just been passed you know, down just doing passed it down. repeatedly and now let's go into yeah. christianity right where for example the solfeggio frequencies when people used to have moments of miracle healing when they used to go to the cathedral and the, the uh, hymn to john the baptist was sang by the choir mm-hmm. the reason that happened is because from the uh, because the resonance the frequency of each tone was actually creating this vibration in people's bodies and cripples would suddenly start walking people with back aches would lose their back aches people with heart aches would feel elated you see and yeah. that really now coming back to what we were saying so first of all everything is this frequency and vibration and all religions take islam for example um there's you know currently the most controversial religion right and but islam they kept uh, you know hitting the drums saying we are the most what is what is the line they say we are the truest religion they say yes and yeah, well they're the, the newest newest uh, and the truest yeah, they call yeah. it the truest yeah. religion because it's really interesting mm-hmm. why they say it as well uh, and and i come from india so you know muslims and hindus are just pulling each other's heads out right and but yeah. muslims stop <laughs> praying to your idols stop praying to people stop praying to anything else pray to allah right and allah loosely mm-hmm. translated is oneness and in a meditation what are you supposed to do you're supposed to connect to that one light you're supposed to just connect to the oneness yeah i think it's the unfortunate it aspect is, of it is of language of language and the beauty because... of it is that the way and, and, meditating yeah, and, and praying has been expressed in a thousand different ways whether it is five times a day the mosque you know uh, yells out on the speakers or yeah. is in christianity you have your beautiful beautiful hymns that are sang or in hinduism it's mantras then you go deep down into turkey and you, have you heard of those whirling dervishes the ones who spin, have, spin yep. and spin and spin oh my goodness that's their way of meditation ecstatic dance is another form of meditation um you know you know i also find like if we just pay attention to nature there's mm-hmm. so much variety in nature why don't we realize that there could be variety in expressions in religions and languages because there's a desert somewhere there's a place full of snow year round there's all these kind of different places mm-hmm. in in nature naturally they're so varied that if you're always living in like antarctica for example you might not realize that there's so many flowers in the world right absolutely. so absolutely all these different religions diversity yeah. divinity diversity but but behind space. yeah but behind all of it is 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 a bigger aspect of life which gives the the source of source of life very, just an external expression yeah that for me is that is that primordial sound it's the it's mm-hmm. the, the sound the vibration that creates everything right currently being called the higgs boson particle in science right it it mm-hmm. has governed all the particles in the universe and said to them behave this way and it, everything can be expressed in sacred geometry in nature you see it in all different forms and now if you kind of go and look at hinduism buddhism um you know ancient china if you look at christianity if you look at all of them use sacred geometry within their uh, space they use prayer they use meditation they use sacred geometry 
However, to, to kind of answer what you said, if we did learn from nature and accepted the diversity of different religions, I believe, and, and uh, this is, uh, I gently approach this as I say it, I believe there would not be enough duality. There has to be enough duality, a play between ego and to be able to create this illusion that we live in, to, to be able to constantly learn, to be able to experience uh, a deep sense of catharsis so that we can you know, jump into a higher state of consciousness. That's an interesting uh, thought because I also think it's in a way unavoidable. Like we want to, to have that understanding of diversity and seeing everyone as equal of having the experience of living. And, but at the same time, it's as long as we're here with, with so much diversity, it's almost unavoidable. But where's that line of going to war and killing other people mm -hmm. for a different religion and, and having that contradictions and just playing out in our life without necessarily having very strong oh, emotions about it. You know? But you see, this is why Vitaly in, in, uh, in friends circles, especially spiritual colleague circles, I'm called the party pooper because every time somebody begins to talk about the controversies and the pandemic and the, and the sort of um, conspiracy theories and the, and the aspect of war and rape and, you know, death and, you know, all of these things, I'm the one that says, but did you know that in this year they found 1,800 new species? Mm -hmm. Did you know that in that one second that you said a word, four babies were born? Yeah. You know, did you know I mean, today as well the sun came out? And, and I, I completely agree with you that, yes, if you are a spiritual activist, you must do it. I do too. You do too, I'm sure. We do everything we can to bring balance to the space. But when we say that this should not happen and that should happen, we are then saying that we know the bigger picture. Oh, no, I agree with, I agree with that for sure. Because it's like a law, it's one of the laws of uh, like life or universe or whatever you want to call it it's like mm -hmm. there's an aspect of creation there's an aspect of transformation and that could be a synonym to destruction too absolutely and uh absolutely. and an act and and law of preservation so i often, I, I often I, joke that I, my I, nose is not flying away from my face because of a law of preservation you know yeah because there's certain yeah. things just have to stick and uh, yeah absolutely those are the laws i have from my mom so so my journey um you know goes a little bit into 2013 i'm by this point i've learned reiki and you, you know i always say vitaly you learn one module and then suddenly you're learning 10 modules because you just get thirsty for learning mm -hmm. you get thirsty for knowing you know and so I've, I've done all of these i'm kind of experimenting with different healing modules and energy healing modules in 2013 i was in uh, nepal up in the mountains and suddenly out of nowhere this regular girl who lives in the city just sits down and my eyes start batting for, for about six hours. And oh. I downloaded into me uh, all the information there is to know <coughs> about sacred geometry, excuse me. And it was so scary in that moment. But even in that moment, I would say I was in the most deep meditative state. Mm -hmm. But it was actually the scariest moment of my life. And now after this happens, after this moment happens, I'm running around like a headless chicken going, so what's good and what's bad and what's, you know, what's the right way and what's the wrong way? <laughs> and, you know, so should I be uh, telling everybody to be good forever? Or because I have very much having lived in a city, um, you know, grown up in a city, I know how it is to live that life. You can't escape bad, you know, whatever anybody terms bad, yes? Mm -hmm. Not not criminal, but you can't constantly be in nature walking around amongst the trees, uh, you know, in, in, in your birthday suit, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> then it became, how can I, uh, then of course, the immediate thing was, I'm just going to go on top of a mountain and never come back. And I'm going to take a little hut somewhere and just live away from everybody because that's the right way to do it. And mm -hmm. that's when sort of the, the mandate, the calling came that, but not everybody is going to be able to escape this place because you need this machine to run in order for the world oh. to 
to run, in order for technology to be developed, in order for man to think bigger, uh, to go from moon to Mars in every phase of everything that we do, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh... Yes. I kind of always say that there's a social aspect and then there's a personal aspect and maybe maybe it's okay one like one year out of our life to go away and like maybe live in a ashram. I don't know everyone has a different everyone has scenario, a different, right? Carl Carl yeah. Jung I think talked about this. He said the the civilization, cities and towns are the the sort of hard operating batteries, right? And even people mm-hmm. need to get away once in a while for vacations to go to an ocean or a forest yeah. to recharge themselves with nature's natural way, realign and then come back into the machine and make it work. You see? And, yeah, and sure. where, where I came out of that experience in Nepal after this happened, uh, of course, there is, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people I've always been like, what's the logic? What's the proof? What's the science? So I started mm-hmm. doing my research and, you know, found my master's, started downloading this information, kind of researching and really getting it together. And what, they, what the old shift in consciousness was that uh, emotions and feelings like doubt, fear, anger, anxiety, jealousy, um, you mentioned greed, you mentioned uh, hatred, you know, all of these uh, bad vibes, as we call them. Yes, (laughs) they are thought of as back in the days in ancient times, that was Satan, devil, evil, um, you know, you you know, the dark side and, you know, all of these Mm -hmm. black magic, all of that is there. And then you go into higher vibration. And suddenly it's, uh, you know, where, where you have self-realization, contentment, you have joy and laughter and compassion and gratitude, forgiveness, unconditional love, like all the way up there. Yes. Yep. Now, I'm proposing that before we step into, you know, the state of meditation, I constantly say it's about the Trinity. It's about aligning your mind, your vibe and your reality. Yes. So let's first work on the mind. If I go into a meditation thinking, Vitaly is bad, I'm good, then I've already lost the purpose of the meditation. You see? So yeah. In order it's to- almost impossible. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I just met. Yeah. Right? So when yeah. so when I mm-hmm. so because again, like that Indian in me, right? Because my master's handed down this chart to me that everything below here is bad, everything above is good. I simply took it and started applying it into my work with directly because, well, my master's told me, my guru told me, my gods have told me, right? Now I then took that and I flattened it. So instead of looking at it as up and down, I kind of put it on its put it on its side and now all those emotions are just in one straight line sure they have lower frequency and higher frequency but instead of looking at the bad emotions as or the bad happenings or situations or heartbreaks or bad relationships or anything instead of looking at them as catastrophes if we begin to look at them as catalysts it changes everything for sure. So I 100% now, believe in it. I'll also, now, yep. let's go into that meditation from a point of view of Vitaly may be wrong, but what is he trying to teach me? What is he catalyzing? It leaves an openness. Yes. You see? Suddenly, suddenly meditation makes more sense. Actively, actively you, could, you could even be doing it while you're walking around, but you simply change your point of view. There is no ego of... Hinduism is right. Islam is right. Christianity is right. The Democrats are right. The Republicans are right. The, you know, the the left and the right and all of these, right? But instead, that which bothers you is a catalyst for you to rise in your own consciousness. That completely changes the game. And it completely changes the game for me, you know? Well, to to me, it's very similar to how I describe... uh... Like there's only kind of two consequences in life and one, like all those things that you listed, those emotions, the <laughs> negative emotions in a way. And like you said, bad vibes there, there's two consequences. One is a consequence of uh, working on unity and one is a separation. So anger, greed is me separating. This is me. This is you. This is your life. This is my life. It, it's all mm-hmm. separation. And then the unity is like all the technically good uh 
things that we we know like love and unconditional love yeah. and giving and forgiving all these things and i think there's one aspect of that unity is it leads to an openness so we're open to different sources of happiness health success and the separation just leads to uh, it's not that you're going to be living a very bad life necessarily if, if you have some anger some issues like that but you're just closing yourselves down to less sources of happiness health success because you might like americans but hate chinese <laughs> people so uh, but what if your business comes from chinese people and you can cooperate you know so th- that kind of thing that, so that's in, how i separate in theta healing for example theta healing is a module that is brought to the world by uh, viana stebel viana stebel is this you know is this person that sort of really dug deep into um, the world of um, fairy mysticism, ancient Taoism, all of these, and took from it the most relevant information and brought that to the world in the form of a very clear-cut healing module. And it's really interesting, that module, actually. And in that she talks about uh, clearing traumas of world relations. So if you find yourself feeling, I don't like Chinese people because you think it's because media has told you or something has told you, but there is within your Mm -hmm. DNA, some part of that DNA and some part of your vibration and frequency that is rejecting and feeling those feelings towards someone. And you start to clear that mm-hmm. through through the uh, you know process of stepping into that vibration, which is to go into that memory and see where it's coming from. It's really interesting. And of course, there are other formats that also look at the same thing. And it's so amazing when you look at everything as pure frequency and vibration, going with what you said, the space of unity and this, the space of uh, unity and the space of separation. If we simply take mm-hmm. two frequencies simply two frequencies. Let's not make them human. Let's not romanticize them. Two frequencies, if they cannot match, either they will completely change and become a binaural beat, become one frequency. That is when unity happens Mm -hmm. and they create Mm -hmm. a higher vibration or they will repel each other and there's a very tough noise in your ears. It's it's, it's very hard to listen to it. You see? And Mm -hmm. That's very Absolutely. Yep. And now if you look at it from the perspective of vibration, frequency and energy or, or sacred geometry in, in, in all of its beautiful forms, you can easily see humans are also, we're all pure vibration after all. Science has finally proven that every single atom is made of pure energy. There is just no physical, you know, solid form in it. And if, if two people come together or two situations come together and those frequencies don't match, Instead of going with the old shift of consciousness where we say, no, I must conquer this frequency. If you learn to float and flow, then you will immediately move away from it and just begin to find the frequency that matches you. But the more we stay with the frequency that is not matching with us and say, you, you have to bend to my will, we are missing out on frequencies that are aligned to us which have been waiting for us but as soon as they see that you're trying to match with another frequency everything else that was matching to your frequency begins to dissipate begins to go away this goes into it this yeah. goes into what you said in the beginning uh you you mentioned gary b and you know he's he's the perfect person mm-hmm. for it he you know his his attitude is this didn't work move on this didn't work move on don't wait just Keep moving, mm-hmm. keep making mistakes, keep moving, right? It completely makes yep. sense from the per- perspective of vibration and frequency. That is the right way to go. Instead of sitting and going, but why didn't this bend to my will? Why did this not happen to me? Why didn't this work out? And therefore spending more airtime and more of your effort and time and resources into, uh, you know, your ego being upset about this. You are simply going, well, it didn't work because it was not meant to be. And then you're moving on to the next. And the faster you eliminate the ones that don't work for you, the sooner you get to the one that does work for you. You know? Yeah. You know what makes me think of is how incredible a human being is in terms of the different modalities that we can 
use to it's almost unlimited because it may i'm i'm sitting in and uh, i'm actually recording in the car because it's super quiet <laughs> it's like my studio for recording <laughs> but i'm thinking like to fix a car most of the work is physical you know you have to tighten a certain screw you have to it's very physical it's it's very simple in mm -hmm. a way but a human being you can feed it different way you can you can exercise it in a different way there's different energetic work that you can do there's mental work there's so many different approaches, so many approaches that can that yeah so that they can slowly change that frequency well, yeah it's all different languages but they're all saying the same thing they're taking you on the same journey mm -hmm. one of them one of them takes the left road one of them takes the right road but they eventually all are about the beautiful journey of realizing that there is more to life than just this, you know, up to your shoulders body, more to just whatever has been fed to you by the environment mind. And there's this entire energy field that you can play with. And this goes into that meditative state as well. Whatever you choose in your meditation, you talked about the analogy of a car. The one that I always explain to uh, clients and especially in workshops is you have to think of it as tending to a garden. Now, we decided, I have decided, I'm going to start a garden right outside, you know, in my backyard, yes? So, and, and I have a nice big space. I've got to one side, I've got potatoes and tomatoes and pumpkins and, you know, whatever, what have you. And then I have the mango tree and then I have the pear tree and then I have, you know, this beautiful pond and I have all of these things that set up. Now, number one, can I just set it up and leave it? I cannot. Every day I have to tend to it. Every day, just a little bit. You know, remove the weed from here, take out some rodents from there, you know, pour water for the plants, correct? So that's that's the first thing. That should get you into that space of thinking. So meditation should be something that you work on on a daily basis. You don't go and do the whole garden in the, in the second day or the third day because it's all set up. But you do a little by little by little mm -hmm. by little. And then... It brings you to the state of, let's say, you know, there's something wrong with the potato patch. There's some, you know, worms in it or there's some, you know, uh, fungus in it. Do you d burn down the whole garden? You don't. You quarantine, you move aside the potato patch. You put medicine for it, you repair it while still taking care of all the other aspects of that garden. So this journey of meditation is to work on this beautiful cosmic garden that is your energy field to every day go in and say okay today what can I work on today all right I'm feeling I'm still feeling a little bad about my friend not calling me for example and then you go what has that taught me why is this bothering me it's bothering me because I feel um, she's not there for me why do you think she's not there for you and then you you, you keep doing these very gentle conversations with yourself and that's really what meditation is. Yes, there is the form of transcendental meditation where you go and see the white light and just, what is the line that you had for one of your posts? I love it. Um, close your eyes. Shut up, sit still. <laughs> Shut up, sit still. And, uh, Shut up, sit still. Yeah. I often say that. <laughs> you know, how do you meditate? Shut yeah. up and sit still. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much just that, you see. And you do have the option to completely just sit still and allow your vibration and have the faith and the intuition and the trust in the universe that your, you, your, in, your intuition is so intelligent that it knows how to repair itself, you see? And that's your transcendental meditation, mm -hmm. the Buddhist meditations, some meditations from uh, down south in Kerala, similar as well from India. Then there is active meditation. Now, why? the same results when you are in the middle of a dance floor dancing during an ecstatic dance session or while you're whirling round and round saying Allahu, 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 Allahu. Mm -hmm. you know why are you able to do that because in both those spaces you are having a conversation with your inner self it's the it's the state it's Absolutely. it's also like unfortunate that meditation the word means so many things you know, because there's different processes. Like you can be playing tennis, or like you're saying, a certain dance can take you away into that into that space where it's it's levels of concentration, I guess, or attention. It's 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 a lack of words that I mm, can't explain it. But there's but you see, this also this was also brought to. Um, I always say 
uh, science and spirituality were separate until you know until the recent decades and the first the man to lay the first brick between the two was Dr. Hans Jenny. Dr. Hans Jenny is this man who brought cymatics to the world. Cymatics is basically where you put frequent, you know, you blast frequencies onto a blackboard that has sand on it, and the sand starts to take geometric shapes. So he was the first one to say, "Hey, energy actually has a certain form and matter, and can shape matter." Yes, and the second person to lay that brick for me was Dr. Masaru Imoto. He's the one. I'm sure you know this experiment where he took uh, tumblers of water, yes, and he uh, right, put right, labels yeah. on them with different emotions. And the labels that I had higher vibrational emotions actually had water molecules when crystallized were beautifully symmetric, and the labels which were negative labels, the water molecules were distorted. Now that got people mm-hmm. riled up, and it was a, it was an entire journey of people trying to understand. But where does this come from? Where did how was he able to do it with thought? Going back to what you said, the different vibrations of your mind, so the brain waves. When you are in meditative state, when you shut up and sit still, yes, you are putting yourself into a theta delta state. So if you do sleep talk or if you do yoga nidra or if you do, uh, there, there are certain forms that go into the sleep state. And in that dream state as well is, uh, you know, is where you repair yourself through the delta state. Then you have the theta state, which is where we typically go during our meditation. Uh, theta is where you're meditative, where you are, where you are introspecting, where you are, your subconscious mind is awake at that point. Then right above that is alpha state. So have you noticed when you, some days when you drive home, you almost forget to navigate. It almost seems like your hand and your steering wheel is just taking you. Yep. That's yep, yep. I arrived and I didn't remember how yes, I even you don't even know how you got here, but you're safe. <laughs> yeah. Everything is fine. You know, it's yeah, almost yeah. as though you went into autopilot. And the same happens mm-hmm. when you play sports, when you play music, uh, when you do crochet or knitting. Yes, anything mm-hmm. that is a um, anything that is a continuous habit, it keep, puts you into alpha state. Alpha state is that's where all your artists go into alpha state. An artist mm-hmm. could be painting and he could be so deep in his in that moment of putting that color onto that canvas that behind him, a man would be pulling a gun on him and he won't even realize that's mm-hmm. the alpha state, right? And then from alpha state, you have beta state. Beta is between you and me. We're talking right now. We're connecting. But in this connection as well, there is meditation. There is cl- there's cleansing. There is this opening and, and, and compassion and there's love. Yes. So that's beta. And then, of course, above that is uh, alpha, um, sorry, gamma. Gamma state is there are healers who t- try try to tell you, put yourself in gamma state. Gamma state is um, sort of, if I had to put it simply, it's the state in which you are in fight or flight. You know, when you really mm-hmm. peak inside, you're just like, zoing, you know, you're, you're in this <laughs> sharp state of mind, right? And that, for example, I do believe that when you do shamanic breath work, like holotropic breathing, it does take you slightly into the gamma state because it gets you into, you know, uh, survival mode. So it's really interesting as well. So it is actually proven that in any form, now imagine in all of these brain waves, in all of these states, you can meditate. This is, this is the part which I would like to bring to people, to be able to tell them, hey, it's okay. You know, I, I have had people come and tell me, Oh, it's easy for you to say, you know, you're always visiting places that are conducive to meditating. And I say, well, challenge accepted. I can go in the middle of a, you know, busy club or lots of traffic and I can still meditate. I tried it once in a busy airplane with three babies crying. And it was it was one of the most (laughs) cathartic experiences because it initially started with getting bugged by the sound then wondering why am I bugged by the sound? Because everything has a reason. Everything has something to do with what some things not vibing with your energy because it is a catalyst for your energy to download new information. And so I got it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I actually, sorry. Yeah. I actually prefer nowadays <laughs> to have weird sounds like a fan in the kitchen or the fridge. Boiling. It makes me like, 
it, it almost like excites me. Oh, like, can I, can I re- be relaxed while this is on? Can mm-hmm. I be relaxed when mm-hmm. I have two kids, when they're like crying or something? Like, can I, it, it almost like, it's like yes, a competition almost, within myself. So <laughs> it, uh, it, but I don't know. It's part of lucid dreaming. Yeah. Now, it's, it's a subject that I, I'm still gently getting into. Uh, but in lucid dreaming, the dreamer gives themselves uh, these light nodes that go off and kind of subconsciously remind the mind, this light, Mm -hmm. when it kind of shines in the eyes. It, in the dream world, it gives the indication to the dreamer to be able to observe their dream from the outside. So there are these lucid dreaming masks that you, uh, eye masks that you can buy, and there are these little dots of light in it, and they blink every, uh, I think, every five minutes or something. And when they blink, a little light goes off in your head. And in your dream state, you are able to still maintain a separation from your dream so that you can guide your dream, right? Now, if we could draw that information to exactly Mm. what you said, you're sitting at home, your kids are crying, but each sound, instead of uh, making you spiral into a negative space, each sound becomes a catalyst for you to go deeper and higher. And it really is just a shift in perspective. Yeah. You know? It's almost like any sound we associate with like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is a baby Mm -hmm. crying. Oh, this is an annoying lawnmower. But if we just look at it and feel it as just a sound, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Don't, and don't put it an, an ident- like uh, a label on it. Yeah, the usual label. Absolutely, I completely yeah, yeah. agree with you. Um, I I could I could make and this this also comes down yeah. to that right meditation. Um, you know, um, there are times I have actually not in your wonderful words, but I have said to my clients, you know, shut up and sit still, uh, because they would come back to me. Um, so <laughs> so the way so the way I've done my work is we have this three day session. I put a person through a very cathartic three days yes and then unlike um what i don't agree with is doing a meditation session for a person and then saying okay bye you know now your session is over you've paid me oh no (laughs) if you do that three-day session with me Mm -hmm. then for 60 days i'm behind you with a stick going have you done your meditation you know and and so Yes, right. for sure. For me, because it's, it's a process. Yeah. I'm very invested in seeing that result, in really getting that person to experience that result. And they come to me, uh, oh, but I had so much work, or oh, today my uh, my baby didn't go to school, or I say, are you telling me you didn't get five minutes? You see. And so, so while they're on the phone call with mm-hmm. me, I make them do the meditation on the phone, and they're like, damn it, how did you catch me? <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know what makes me it makes me think of too that on this like pursuit of not forcing mm-hmm. people to have those five minutes or 10 minutes of just sitting still. But I also realized and I think Gary also <laughs> the, the yogi that he is, he kind of taught me this, that, you know, like any activity is meditation. Like we, we know that. Right. Because there's a, a level of concentration, like you were saying. But in the beginning, if people are super busy, if they feel like they don't have time at all, I always try to realize mm-hmm. what is it they could be mm-hmm. doing, not just sitting mm-hmm. differently, that will help them in life. Maybe it's just like the way they're going through life could be a complete like chaotic experience that they eventually find themselves that they don't have time to sit for five minutes. So maybe there's sh- a, a different shifts in their routine that can happen. I have a sort of, (laughs) it's almost this contention that I have with our spiritual uh, sort of industry. Yes, we we are completely against children going to school and getting a cookie cutter education. Isn't this true? We say, oh, each child is different. One child is an Mm -hmm. artist and the other one, you can't teach all of them the same thing because each child's mind, uh, you have to look at their mind and you have to see how they want to develop. This is correct then how is it that when they come in for meditation, when they come in for a healing session, we tell them, but this is how you're supposed to do it. You see, in in India, have you, Vitaly, Mm -hmm. have you read the book Autobiography of a Yogi? Oh, 
I have. It's see, one of the this, most this uh, inspiring the books. Yeah, should be when you are young or when you are, you know, in these days, it's you know whichever age you are at that allows you to go explore. First, you must find your master. You must find the master that resonates with you. You'll come to Sheetal, you'll do her sacred geometry version of things and you'll say, ah, it's nice. And then you'll go to Vitaly and he'll do the meditation or, or let's say Gary V and he's, you know, too tough on them. So they'll be, oh, it's all right. And then they come to Vitaly and then say, all right, this is how, this is what meditation is. And they completely resonate with you. Gary V, Sheetal and Vitaly are saying the completely mm-hmm. the same thing. But... Yes, it is also yeah, got different to do ways, with yeah. frequency and the soul family mm-hmm. that you pull towards yourself. Till date, till date, any client that has landed up with me, <laughs> I always say, I always ask them right at the beginning, I say, mm-hmm. you do realize if you're coming to me, then this is the last stop. You know? <laughs> and they always say, oh my God, you're scaring me. <laughs> you know? and, and because because when they come <laughs> to me, it's it's really interesting because they have come because they want science and spirituality and they want to experiment and they want to, um, how to say, they really want to work on themselves. It's not a, a random uh, healing chakra meditation that you've come for. I'm talking about actual transformation where you mm-hmm. become your guru, your teacher, your god, your goddess. You know, I'm basically handing over the key to you and teaching you how to mm-hmm. use it and which door to use it on. But you have to walk through those doors. You have to do the work. And so that, that's my style. And at the same time, I have a fantastic, fantastic colleague in Canada, in fact, in Vancouver. She's a crystal healer. Mm-hmm. She is, uh, if you see her, she's like, you know, she walks out and she looks like she has these ribbons coming out of her body. You know, she looks like Kwani. You know, the way this very graceful, beautiful <laughs> presence. And she's this crystal healer. Yeah. And you sit down with her, do a crystal healing session. And she just like invariably makes every client cry because she really taps into such a beautiful space in them, does the crystal healing for them, sends them the photo of the grid. And they just have to keep the grid sort of in their space for the next 30 days and do a certain meditation. And where... You do the, I'm just using Mm -hmm. it as, you know, Vitaly, you have your form of meditation. I have my form of meditation. She does a beautiful form of meditation, which has to do with a crystalline dome in the sky. You see? Another person would absolutely Mm -hmm. just love her way of doing meditations. Isn't that fast? So the the idea is not to start behaving like, um, you know, modern society and saying, oh, cookie cutter education is not good for kids. And then expecting that adults should have a cookie, cookie cutter spiritual experience. No, yeah. And I, it also, again, made me think, listening to you, that if someone comes to me or you or Gary, it's what they need sure. at the moment right now. And maybe that could open the them up step. and then they need, because life is, is vast and we need to yeah. do different things. So maybe they come to you and they open something up, but then they are going to be more open yeah. to listening to Gary because he talks about business, right? So, yeah, it's just opening up more and more. Gary, this example that we're giving going through gurus, your best teacher is your, your worst enemy is your best teacher. The same way we go through mm-hmm. good experiences and healing experiences and learning experiences we also go through negative experiences and gather information from it because we're just a floating consciousness moving in this beautiful geometric motion. And one moment I meet, meet Vitaly, the next moment I meet, let's say, you know, somebody with a really low vibration who's, you know, who's really hurting and has bad words to say. But I learn from Vitaly. I also learn from this person. And in this ebb and flow, in this cause and effect, in this up and down, in this yin and yang, life keeps going. <laughs> sure. I would regret asking you <laughs> this question. I don't know how much time you have, so I'm going to ask it right now. Um, since also because you were a child raised mm-hmm. in India, right? Um, what What's your view on uh on moksha and like complete liberation like what, what what's your it's view such on a that beautiful concept complete re- liberation it's a fantastic concept so mm-hmm. we have to start we have to so, sort of kind of rewind a little bit 
it begins with understanding another word called Maya, right? Maya is this beautiful illusion that is this world. Maya is described as the uh, phenomenal illusion that has been created by the Supreme Consciousness by, you know, Paramatma himself has been created because otherwise humans will not be, we as consciousnesses cannot fathom the actuality of things. So now this goes into understanding that Maya, so they call it the veil of Maya, the veil will be lifted. You've heard this many times, right? So Maya is that mm -hmm. illusion. So first of all, recognizing that all this is just an illusion is the first step that is very difficult to do. It's very difficult, but at the same time, that's the first step. So God says, all right, first of all, everything is an illusion. We live in a holographic universe, right? All of these things that we experience in the 3D reality is actually just a holographic structure that has been created so that each consciousness can exchange energy with each other and the divine consciousness can experience itself and keep rising and rising and expanding and expanding, right? And then comes mm -hmm. the concept of Leela. Leela is the playfulness. It is like, to, it says Leela is the, the concept of flowing with the Supreme Consciousness. Supreme Consciousness is just playing. It's going up and down and left and right, and, you know, good and bad and right and wrong, right? To flow with it instead of trying to resist it. So essentially the whirling dervishes in Turkey are in Leela, right? When you, when you do transcendental meditation or you go into a trance, mm -hmm. you're actually in Leela. That's the concept of Leela, to surrender, quite literally. Yes? Now, you've understood everything is an illusion. Everything is Maya. Mm -hmm. You begin to flow with the Supreme Consciousness. That's Leela. And then you go into a concept called Anand. Yes, hi. I don't know. I apologize. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> no problem It was all. Maya playing with us. <laughs> Absolutely, the illusion's like, no! Yep, we know what we're doing, yep, okay. <laughs> they, they're listening to us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome, so we were talking about how initially now we've understood that everything is Maya, it's a holographic universe, that everything that is in the 3D reality is actually a holograph of what we would like it to be so that we can exchange energy with each other, not just mm -hmm. human to human, not just human to animal, but even human to a drink of water, the energy of water entering into your system and transmuting into the next energy. Now, everything is these millions and millions of little synapses firing all across the universe, right? And so then we reach the idea of Leela in, in, in the Vedas. They talk about just play, just flow, don't question mm -hmm. it, just surrender. Surrender and flow and have faith and be in love and, you know, feel deep gratitude and just kind of just dance with the universe, right? And then from there, we arrive at the concept of Ananda. Ananda is when, um, again, when you go into a deep trance state, people inform you that they've had this, the Kundalini rising, yes? They have this uh, bliss state and that's Ananda. Ananda is bliss. Mm -hmm. And... So you are experiencing this bliss and in having experienced it, you have, if you think of this as a um, sort of video game, you've just gone one level up, you know, and then in that new high vibration space, you repeat the process over and over again. Now, moksha is the concept of finally releasing yourself from this cycle of birth and death, correct? It's this... Um, you know, having to be born again and born again and born again. While I, while like again, I, I'm, I'm never in a space where I can say the ancient texts are wrong or the ancient texts are right. Neither am I in that space. But from what I have observed, especially if you look at the work of uh, Matthias Di Stefano, he is the one who has done the new series on Gaia.com called Initiation. And while he, he talks about how you begin as this consciousness and you start to perceive things from different perspectives, you perceive it from the left and the right and the bottom and the top. And, you know, you, you have all of these different experiences of the same consciousness over and over and over again. And that goes into, uh, you know, that, that state of Maya repeating itself. He then says that once you have seen this consciousness and observed it from various perspectives, you basically become like a planet, 
because you become anything that's a round in shape, a planet or a satellite. So actually, mm -hmm. Earth and the sun and the moon are not just a star, a satellite and a planet. They are consciousnesses that have lived for billions of years, exchanging synapses and now having seen everything from every point of view. Mm -hmm. So that consciousness is able to observe it all sides and now it, again if we go with that video game thing it has now uh, you know it now has the uh, superpower of producing its own consciousnesses and therefore it creates animals and humans and now it creates scenarios case in point coronavirus where it brings in this pandemic and starts to create observations and perceptions of what keeps happening Mm -hmm. So that means to one end, the earth has still not received its moksha because it is still observing, still experiencing, still, you know, producing various point of views and perceptions and uh, energetic synapses. But the Hindu way of looking at it is you have in, especially in Hinduism, and there's another uh, another religion called Jainism, both are social ways of living, so I'm, I'm not very comfortable calling them religions, but both of them talk about spiritual liberation, where you finally uh, transcend all joys and you transcend all um, sort of all emotions and you kind of reach this, reach this state of complete bliss, complete uh, non-existence almost, you know. But what what's your view on that within the body or like you leave your body? What's the ultimate kind of personal, personal view? Yeah, I know it's a hard topic to discuss because yeah. it, it it just is. <laughs> and and you see, now if I if I if I could if I could say to all the listeners, this is a very very personal view. Um, Monday through Thursday, I feel like I already have moksha. Mm -hmm. Thursday to Sunday, I'm just very human. <laughs> you know, that's a good way to put it. You know, there are there are mm -hmm. days when I feel like nothing can phase me, uh, from pandemic to um, protests to um, you know deep state of um, of very very bad stuff happening around the world to even good stuff happening, the bad winning, the good winning, and I'm just almost almost floating above it all on a little pink cloud. That's my moksha, mm -hmm. yes? And then suddenly the cycles turn and and the goddess within me rises along with the new moon and I find myself ready to destroy everybody, feeling very <laughs> human, <laughs> you know? So oh, yeah, me, yeah. personally, I believe moksha is, uh, for example, Osho. Osho has, Osho has spoken about uh, moksha so much right? But in real life, while Moksha was a fantastic subject for him, he was brought, brought down by his own words because he was so attached to material belongings. He was so attached to riches and, um, you know, he ended, turned out to be just like the evangelist from the West. It was so sad. Uh, mm -hmm. There's another guru called Bodhisattva. Bodhisattva was from the south of India. He traveled all the way up to China and he taught them a lot of, uh, you know, uh, taught them a lot of uh, beautiful uh, ways of meditating and ways of living. But Bodhisattva was considered one of the angriest monks in the whole world. He was mm. actually called the angry monk. You see, <laughs> so yeah. I'm I'm yet to see someone now, again. Paramahansa Yogananda, in the moment of his death, standing in front of four thousand people, he knew he was going. He also claimed that his wife had received moksha, isn't it? Now, as a concept, it's very beautiful. There are days when uh, very, very few times in my life where I have re received such a beautiful, beautiful state of uh, trance in my meditation, such a deep, deep level of your entire, your body seems to not exist that I almost feel like I'm leaving and I'm finally becoming one with everything. Then there are days when my eyes are open and I'm not meditating and I feel like I'm one with everything. Mm -hmm. And then there are days when I feel completely separate from the entire universe. No, it makes sense. It's a very natural kind of 
feelings Absolutely. for a lot of people, especially. Yeah. But you know what? I are you aware of um, QHHD? It's a no. it's a regression process. Um, at some point, like a few years back, I just had a thought. Like, I'm, I'm I had a thought. Like, why does certain healings take so much time? Like, why does it such mm-hmm. a process? And I I, fe- I felt it that things could go away like instantly, immediately. And I just started Googling, you know, like searching <laughs> for, for modalities and practices. And just someone even mentioning like something that's being recovered like instantly, mm-hmm. like it, almost like Jesus yeah. and you're healed kind of thing. Correct. It was just like a wonder in me that, and I came across QHST. It was a, a woman, she passed now already at like at 86 years old i think she was and um it was a very beautiful practice that me and my wife we we studied it online there's a course that they do and um it's it's basically it's like hypnosis but she her view of hypnosis i think they just called it because that was what the wording that was popular in the 70s or something but hypnosis and meditation they're very related you know so their process was to put someone under uh a guided meditation pretty much for two hours Mm -hmm. yeah and basically what it would it's kind of a regression like it's a very popular thing to say like past life regression all those kind of things but they're they're the way she did it was a beautiful way like she never did it online she never did it over over the phone it was always personal it was always someone who's staying with her for pretty much the entire day and she talked to them first for like four hours communicated and Mm -hmm. And and then only the a person lied down, and uh, she was guiding guiding them for two hours into that deep meditation. So we did that course, and she wrote many books too. A very, um, I I feel like it's one of the top ten books that for me, like autobiography of a yogi, uh-huh. and her books uh-huh. are at the top for me. Beautiful. So we did the course with her, and uh, me and my wife we practiced that regression. Uh-huh. It was not high level as her because she practiced for thirty years. But I had four experiences that clearly showed a certain progression of of me, if you want to call it as a soul or energy or consciousness, whatever the wording suits kind of you or anyone, right, who's listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, there was definite like four sessions that we did uh, around like half a year. Mm-hmm. So like quite a few months apart between sessions. And it clearly showed, uh, which I later understood as a certain progression of lives if it was lives or certain memories or dna or whatever it was it really showed that progression it was an interesting practice for me to experience that QHHT sounds very close to what um rtt is at the moment and there's also past life regression um a quick note on when you talk about you know, sitting together with the person and being in that space and, you know, getting them comfortable and doing a Mm one-on-one session. Um, There's the Stargate project by the CIA themselves, which actually shows us that remote viewing is completely possible. Reiki has, Mm -hmm. the the practice of Reiki has told us ages ago that distance healing is possible, you know? And it's so fascinating that while, yes, sitting directly in front of the person has, uh, you know, such a warmth to it, like a humanness to it. Um, I have noticed some of my most powerful sessions have been with clients online. It's crazy, I know. But because they are in the comfort of their own space, um, you know, really in their own, um, you know, comfort of the smells of their home and the, and the warmth of their space, somehow they are more open to discussing their issues, more open to going deeper without feeling like the space is new to them. And finally, because I I personally believe, because I see them on a screen, I Mm. can actually see their complete energy field more directly. And it's Mm. uh, quite interesting. So on on that note, uh, past life regression is so interesting. And it's, it's very much what you said when you go into those past lives and you clear out those sort of age, gender, personality, sort of physical symptoms and, you know, beliefs and all of these things, they, it is similar to the practice of theta healing. It's quite interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, in her, why I was getting into that, because mm-hmm. yeah, 
that why I even researched that. Remember, I said like the, that yeah. instant healing. She had certain people that I don't want to use the word cured or anything, mm-hmm. but it was it was a remission of some sort of certain diseases that doctors even gave up on people. Perfect. And within that two hours, it like pretty much went away. It was interesting yeah. that I. I came across that just realizing, like, why why can't it be possible to it instantly feel something? Abundance, yeah. your birthright, time is an illusion. Mm-hmm. The length of time, healing takes time. It's one of the, time will heal and healing takes time is one of the greatest collective consciousness beliefs of the earth. And it's, it's so yeah. interesting to look at it. I have uh, personally experienced it with clients who've been on... Um, depression medication for years together and they finish these you know these three-day sessions with me and then by the end of the 60 days they're not taking their medication I have had that's beautiful yeah and and it and really really Vitaly it has nothing to do with me it has to do with the fact that they finally said okay this is enough Mm -hmm. so when you go to that person and you say please I need to get this out of my system through QHHT through theta healing through sacred geometry quantum healing Whatever the format is, it is when that person truly intends it that it becomes their truth. In Theta Healing, for example, there are there are currently, if I'm not mistaken, eight recorded cases of people who wore very thick glasses, you know, like really bad eyesight. Mm-hmm. All of them mm-hmm. now have 20-20 vision after having done the Theta Healing session with Viana Steeper. No, that's great. Yeah. Mm. Part of me thinks like we it, it sometimes put too that, much. It's the limited Sorry? beliefs that stop us, you know. So yeah, no, I'm sure. carrying around the sadness, and I'm I went to one guru, another coach, another healer, another you know different people. It is in the day that you are able to switch that belief that the big change happens. And yeah. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this all the time. Dr. Joe Dispenza is constantly like change, change, re-engineer, rewire the neurological connections in your mind, rewire the neurological connections in your mind. And I had this one client whose example is so dear to me because it was something that I channeled in that moment. I had no idea if it would work because it was not from the books. This client came to me. um, Everything that could possibly go wrong in his life has gone wrong. Yes. And he comes to me and at the, towards the sort of, Um, you know, deeper part of the session, I received this guidance that he needs to completely watch his words. And I come out of that meditation going, really, this is what you want me to say to my client, you know. (laughs) I come out of it and I say to him, I say, because along with earlier, I had spoken about the sacred trinity, which is uh, mind, vibe and reality. So when I sit down with people, I shift their perceptions and attitudes, which is I shift their mind. I help them change their mind by showing them sacred geometry information. Then I help them shift their vibe by clearing traumas and beliefs from their system. But the only way that circle is going to complete is if you set realistic goals and visions in your reality. That's how the mind, vibe, and reality have to align. I always make the joke about in your mind, you say you want to win the lottery. In your vibe, somebody cleared abundance issues for you and then you forgot to buy the lottery ticket. How are you going to win the money? You know? So uh, whenever clients sit with me, I do mind vibe and then I sit sit them down. And this is why I call myself an energy coach and not healer. I sit them down and I give them realistic goals that they have to achieve for the next 60 days. I say, okay, I want to see this, 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 and this. Let's go, you know. And the only thing, and it's usually a whole bunch of things. I'll tell them, try out new things or I'll tell them, I want to see a cleansing and a clutter clearing or, you know, whatever it is. But this person, I simply just said to him, for the next 60 days, you are not allowed to complain. You Mm. are not allowed to talk about your past. This person has disappeared completely, has not kept in touch with me for at least 30 of those days, at least half half of that time. He popped up at the end of like 30, 35 days, telling me that now he's found a job, found a woman, and he cannot believe that this has happened to him. Right. <laughs> the change was instant for him. You see? Yeah. So whether you create, whether you make that change by digging deep into your past life and clearing that code, clearing that construct that kept you, held you down, 
or you change it from the other side, which is the now with the present. And when you, whenever you break generational curses in this moment, you affect seven generations before and seven generations after. That's how vibration works. So it's like, imagine this huge wave of vibration going across mm -hmm. the universe, across dimensions, into past lives, and clears it out as well. So uh, like you said earlier, there are so many different methods, you know? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think we can talk f forever. I still have <laughs> a ton of questions here that, that um, maybe we can do at some point later. I hear my kids are back because it's 12 for lunch. I'm going to go <laughs> join them for lunch. And I'm sure you have time. You, you need time to relax from the day and uh, many things to do. But I, I hope we can talk more because, I, like I said, I have a bunch of questions here that I'm interested to, to hear your view on. Absolutely. Hopefully Anytime. we can talk about it. So much. Uh, it is fantastic to see our soul family grow. It makes me so happy. And and this is how we're going to reach out to everybody to be able to provide everyone the opportunity to choose who they would like to follow and what format they would like to follow, to not believe that there is a cookie cutter version of attaining nirvana or moksha, but to take their own direction and own path because it is about the journey and not the destination, you know. For sure. And next time, uh, apart from deep, deep conversations and, <laughs> and these interesting questions that life questions, I'm going to ask you about Tom Cruise <laughs> because I see <laughs> you're following him and I'm following him. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. But next time, <laughs> for those people who are listening, we're also going to talk about Tom Cruise. I have some questions <laughs> about that as well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. I a, yes, it was a pleasure talking to you. You too. All okay, right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.